Are the Celtics the king of the East? Will the Warriors dominate again? Are you all ready for the season? The only question left is, wait, I already know you're in since you're here. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show slash podcast slash conversation with Dave Dufour. Um, hey, what's up? Now, let's talk about the first game, shall we? Because we had the Sixers versus the Celtics. Uh, overall impressions first, Dave, what do you think? Uh, well, um, I think it's safe to say that the Celtics are still a better team than the 76ers. That's that's my big takeaway. This thing where, where a, a lot of people, uh, I've heard it mentioned. Now, most people weren't saying this, but there are plenty who were, uh, that they felt like, Philly might be in that mix in the in the top of the East. I just don't think they're there. I agree. Uh, they're they're going to really miss Bellinelli and Ilyasova, who were largely responsible for that huge run they went on at the end of the last season and going into the playoffs. What we saw tonight was just a continuation of what we saw when when the Celtics dominated them in the playoffs. I agree, uh, and I think that um, what's going to happen here is the Celtics have so much. Uh, more at every position. It just feels like they're going to keep trotting them out. And I don't think that the Sixers have enough. Of course, with Ilyasova and Belnelli, it will help a little bit, but I don't think it moves the needle enough uh, for them to to truly compete in a seven-game series. Uh, I think that Stevens' biggest issue or his biggest challenge is going to be like which five-man lineups to play together. I think that's going to be a, a challenge he'll have all season long. And his goal probably will be simply to get it fine-tuned by the playoffs. Yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, they they went away from their starting five last season, which was the best lineup in the league, statistically, because I think they're making the long-term play with faults. And while that may be smart for the long-term, it is not going to be conducive to having a great regular season. It's not going to be conducive to getting a high seed for the playoffs. It's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it's not a good thing. But once again, if your goal is you're thinking a couple years down the line, all right, then it's smart. You want to play faulty, you know, his number one pick, and he, hopefully he was that for a reason. Um, I, I I think that what we saw tonight out of Reddick, I mean, Reddick looked great. He looked exactly like he did uh, at the end of April last year, you know. Um, and I thought Simmons looked great. Um, MB did not look great to me. Okay. Uh, he looked a little tired, uh, a little little out of shape. And uh, obviously, I, I don't think his head was completely in the game because he, he blew a few assignments. Now, I know you disagree with me on that. I do. I, I actually felt like if you had to look at who was the most dominant player um, consistently across the game, it felt like it was Embiid. I felt like the, there were moments when he was just really c- covering for players, teammates as well on defense, blocking some shots or contesting shots and controlling the paint on defense, and then also you know doing damage on the offensive end as well. Um, I love Ben Simmons, and I thought he had some terrific highlights, but it felt like a lot of his numbers to me felt empty. I'm going to have to watch it again, though, just to kind of get a handle on when the runs happened, because it seemed like the only time that Sixers were trying to challenge was when Embiid was driving that train. So that's what made me feel, you know, right now in my mind's eye that that was why he, you know, played as better than anybody else on that team. But you felt like Simmons played better? I did. Um, I, I definitely did. I, I thought Simmons was the, the engine behind the best runs that they went on in the entire game. And uh, and not to mention Sarge, who actually, like, 
had foul trouble, and so he only wound up with 23 minutes. So Saric looked okay. Uh, I thought that J.J. looked great and that Ben Simmons also looked looked pretty damn good. But Embiid, he just looked a little slow to me, looked a little winded, looked a little out of shape. Maybe his head wasn't quite in it. Uh, I mean, he before the game, he was watching Rick and Morty or something. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I, I'll tell you, I, an issue I have is that Embiid played 37 minutes tonight and Ben Simmons played 43. Now, look, those guys are young, but minutes management starts on, on day one of training camp, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't come into the first game of the season and lose by 18 and have these guys – combined for 80 minutes that's just it's way too much right and by the way i i kind of let the faults thing go by well let's go back to that for a second because yeah. um yeah i mean you know a lot's been made about his jump shot he hit a, at least one jumper in the lane and he hung in the air and shot it and that looked okay but um like his free throws and the the, the uh, rhythm is just really not good and uh it's frightening because it's not like there's a lot of time to be able to fix that once the season starts so we're probably going to be stuck here where he's going to struggle and that's going to hurt his, his mental state i think so uh and here's the, the bigger thing I, even independent of his jump shot he his balance is terrible like off the dribble when he was trying to drive he kept getting his nose over his toes he was almost falling down almost every time it's really frustrating to watch that. So you have that going on, and I don't know how that's going to fix itself. You know, there might be some notion of okay, get some reps, and he'll get better at that. But I don't know. And then you have Simmons, who I, again, he also made some similar mistakes and some similar trouble with that right hand finishing that he likes to do. Some of them was great, some of it wasn't, and some of the sh- shots he takes that clearly he should be a righty. The way his footwork is, it works. Everything he about it. Yes. He had a turnaround in the post where it's a righty turnaround, and he shot a lefty and it bricked. So um, that that's frustrating to me. It's probably also clouding my vi- my vision of his game tonight because I keep seeing that same stuff. And meanwhile, I, you know, I was watching him beat. He was catching the ball on the perimeter, breaking guys down, and going by him off the dribble, posting up, you know, doing that stuff. So I felt like that was he was more in tune with what his role is supposed to be and how he's supposed to execute versus the other two guys. So yeah, I think what, what, what I think what we're saying is the Sixers are you know a peg down. Well, I, they also overachieved last year compared to how they should have finished the season. You know, I, I think that what, they won 53 games last year and they were probably like a 48, 49 win team. And, and I think that that has altered our perception quite a bit. Um, you know, this year, if, if they win 50 games, they did OK. Here's the other thing. If, if that's a team that expects to be in the uh, uh, finals contention this year, they had a failure of a summer. They didn't. They didn't add the pieces that they needed. They lost some players that they that they should have tried to retain, and you know they didn't get they didn't get the third guy to go with Simmons and Embiid. So you know, I, again, they had a tumultuous summer, right? They losing their their GM because of the the burner account fiasco. Um, that was like eight months ago, wasn't it? No, that was June. Wow. Yeah, I mean it, that really set them back. And uh, I do like the direction going forward. I think Elton Brand's going to be really good. He's well-respected around the league. He's a smart guy. I don't think they would have interviewed all these people and wound up with Elton Brand unless they felt comfortable with him. So, you know, I, I think that they're they're going to be heading in the right direction. But that's the summer. this summer was a waste for them. And yeah. J.J. Reddick's not getting any younger. So, you know, what are you, you going to keep rolling him out there? Are you going to bring him back next year? Right. Oh, and that's the other thing about Reddick I don't like about their offense sometimes is that he dribbles too much. And the, the plays are designed for him to be coming off those handoffs to dribble and attack. 
And uh, he played well, but there were moments we saw that too, where he just, you know, he shouldn't be doing that. Uh, it's just not his thing, even if even if he worked on his handle or whatever. So, so one thing, you know, very minor, but a thing I've noticed uh, last year and this year too, where he really just should be a catch and shoot three guy coming off all those screens, like he's been doing, you know, for his whole career. Uh, let's go quickly to um, some questions. We have uh, the highlights on the YouTube side. Uh, every once in a while, someone has a nice big orange notification on there. I'm not sure why or what they did to get that, but it catches my eye. So Kevin Spacey asks our take on the Sixers bench. Now, we briefly discussed that as far as who wasn't there, but should we talk about who was out there tonight and what your thoughts were? I mean, I, I thought Redick was really good. Okay. And that's really about it. Um, Amir Johnson, I, like I, I just, I don't know if he's a rotation guy anymore. He looked good um, though. He looked he in looked shape, okay. right? Yeah, he looked okay. But I mean, does he is he affecting the game in a in a positive manner? I I don't think so. I mean, um, you know, he, he played eleven minutes. He got three boards and five points. Uh, but I do, yeah, but I do want to make sure like he looks like a little bit in better shape. Maybe he looks like he's slimmed down. He's more maybe cut, he's so healthier. I, I'm encouraged remember, by that. Last year he was coming off the ankle thing, so maybe he's healthier. Um, I don't know that TJ McConnell is a rotation oh, guard. Blasphemy! Yeah, but he was cut ter- your, he was your bike off. He was terrible for them last year statistically. Uh, he played way too much, um, and they didn't do anything to really address that that role. And uh, you know they talked about there's a lot of lip service paid to why they didn't start uh, faults coming out of halftime. They wanted to give him quote-unquote point guard minutes but they played him with mcconnell right mcconnell can't stretch the floor at all he's not gonna really like cut and finish inside Um, hey he had a really nice finish uh, off the glass uh, tonight and he had some nice assists he makes plays but sun shines on a dog's ass some days oh have we already had this 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 feels like we've had this argument before we have and like i'm I'm making a t-shirt it's gonna say tj mcconnell is good because okay. he no, is. But good is relative. Good compared to what? Good compared to other NBA players. No. <laughs> yeah. No. No, he's, he's an a NBA below he's a average, legit guard in below, the NBA. He's below average at best. Um, Landry Landry Shamet uh, looked pretty good. Um, I like that he's out there gunning. That's great. They need someone to shoot, space the floor. Um uh, Korkmaz didn't really play, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised. He was great in summer league, um, so I'd like to see him get some run. And uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, there's not much there. Meanwhile, on the other side, you had Marcus Morris, who was fantastic tonight. You had yeah. Aaron Baines, who was my Danny Green All Star Player of the Game for tonight. You had Marcus Smart, who was a perennial Danny Green All Star, who was pretty great. <laughs> And Terry Rozier, who is probably a starting point guard and, and coming off the bench. I mean, the Celtics have an embarrassment of riches. And it, it's honestly, if any team in the league is not fair, I, I know we talk a lot about like the high-end talent. We we tend to focus there. But, you know, if KD gets hurt, we knock the, the Warriors down a peg. Or if Steph is hurt, I mean, they, they definitely get knocked down a peg. Uh, the Celtics actually have an embarrassment of riches. They have an embarrassment of guys who are good. And I think that's a really good spot to be in. I mean, they – I don't know. They're they are going to be really tough this year. Yeah. Now, any any thoughts on uh, Irving's really, really bad game? Couldn't shoot the ball at all. Uh, really couldn't get in the flow. He got seven assists, he but he just rusty. wasn't – he wasn't in sync, right? Yeah, he looked rusty. He looked like he's not back in shape yet. Yeah. Same, that's and, you know, Hayward actually 
was okay. Um, let me look at the stats. I mean, he didn't shoot it well, but I thought his defense was pretty good. Um, in particular, he was he was getting into passing lanes, mm-hmm. making plays, and that's feel of the game stuff. So that's good to see. Uh, but he doesn't really have any bursts. Doesn't no. have any uh, no explosiveness whatsoever. Stopping looked hard for him, yeah. um, and no first step. But I think it's gonna be that's gonna be the story of the season. Yeah, um, Tyreek will take him forty games to kind of find it if 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 he get, finds it this year at all. Yeah. But Kyrie, you know, he he he'll be okay. He he just needs to play in his yeah. way. In and Ojale didn't play either, which is interesting. Again, a more embarrassment of riches because that guy can contribute, you know, significantly right. when they need him. Yeah. Uh, Tony Robaz Robaz asks uh, on the uh, YouTube side, "How do you think Gordon Hayward will affect Tatum and Brown's development for this season?" Good question. I mean, if tonight's any indication this year, he's not going to do. He's not going to get in the way at all. Certainly uh, not Tatum. No, I mean, it, well, even with Brown, I, I I just don't think they really. They're they're just different guys, and I think that with Brown and Tatum, they're not going to be affected by not touching the basketball. You know they're they're going to get their their points. They're going to make their plays in ways that that don't require them to have the basketball a lot. Now Hayward needs to show that he's going to be able to do that. Now his health is the the biggest you know question mark as far as that's concerned. So you know we'll we'll see what happens. I this whole notion that there's only one basketball is weird for a team like this when you've got so many guys who've already shown that they're willing to share the ball. Even Kyrie Irving has shown like he's willing to play the right way and share the ball if the right way is sharing the ball. Um, you know, he's shown that that's the right way or that he's willing to play that way. Now, he's also shown that sometimes him taking the basketball and ISOing is the right way to play, right? Like Tatum did that a couple times a night. But you're not going to hear anybody say, well, he, you know, he's a ball hog or whatever they would say about Kyrie Irving. Absolutely. Um let me just, I'm responding to somebody in our chat here because, yes, uh, now Tatum, I just want to gush a little bit about Tatum because all-star, he's an all-star this year, right? I, I predicted that. I went on the Friend of the Breakdown Fast Break Breakfast podcast, um, and I predicted Jason Tatum making the all-star team. Okay. I mean, I don't even think it's a hot, it's not even like a big I, prediction or a bold a prediction. Hot, but Hey, it was treated like it was a, uh, like it was a hot take. Um, I don't think it's a hot take. I think I think for sure he's looking like it. Yeah, you know, is it crazy to think that that the Celtics are going to put three or four guys on the All Star team? I don't no, think so. no, it's not crazy at all. And I think you know Tatum is is Luke Skywalker in in uh, in um, Chapter uh, Six, and Return, Return of the Jedi. Of the Jedi. That's you mean what he feels like to me. when he comes back in the black in the black suit? Yeah, you know he when acknowledges that you know Vader is his father. When he's, he's dressed like a Jedi Knight, despite the fact that he's not actually a Jedi Knight. Well, no, I think he's officially a Jedi. At he that didn't point. finish his training. He left. He did not finish his training. Yoda dies at the in the end of uh, Empire, right? Or no? Does Yoda die in the beginning of Return beginning of, Jedi? of Return of the Jedi? Okay. Thus. He never finished his training. Hmm. Let's hope Jason Tatum finishes his training. Yes, that's true. And, and by the way, it will definitely be broadcast on Instagram. <laughs> For sure. Um, 
Well, let's see here. Dick Dastardly says, Sixers have absolutely no spacing. Do they throw Korkmaz out there for something, anything? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting question about spacing because when yeah, you throw a guy like Shamit out there, even though he's missing, he is technically providing spacing, right? Because he's shooting out there and they probably right. are worried about him a little bit. So that's the other question. And I've been meaning to ask this for some of the NBA guys. Uh, I'm going to try and get some information on this. What does the spacing mean? How many steps over does it give you when you have a shooter on the weak side, for instance, versus a non-shooter? I'm kind of curious how much space we really are talking. It's probably only about a step, right? Yeah, but that step for NBA athletes is huge. Okay, so, it is. I mean, it depends, know. but yes. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, one step is a contested shot versus a semi-contested shot, right? And that's a big difference. Yeah, I guess. And then that goes back to uh, discussing exactly what about the contest actually affects the shot. But uh, we'll be doing well, some research right. this year. Yeah. Um, so, but either way, uh, okay, good, good point. And here's another good point I want to make. If you want the best shave you can get, then you've got to choose Harry's Razors. I cannot tell you how much I love to open up their beautiful box to find the best ergonomically designed handle I've ever shaved with. Harry's founders got fed up with overpaying for expensive razors, so they bought their own blade factory and deliver some of the highest quality blades to your door, allowing you to pay as little as $2 a blade compared to as much as $4 for other brands. And right now, you can get their trial set for free by visiting harrys.com coachnick. You'll get their weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Harry's has given me, without a doubt, the closest and best shave I've ever had. So you got to try it now by visiting harrys.com slash coachnick. Make sure you type that in right, harrys.com slash coachnick, and let them know I sent you to help support the show. Well, what do you say? Should we kind of pivot a little bit to the game two? Sure. Okay. Well, game two looked like it was going to be a blowout. Um, I know. I'm pissed at the Warriors. I, I really wanted to just be able to turn that game off, get this <laughs> live stream started. Yeah. Well, hey, there's a lot of people out here uh, joining us in this late night uh, thing to kick off the season. And yeah. let's thank everybody. Thank you so much for coming out and joining us tonight. And we're going to get to as many of your questions as we can uh, once we get through our, our quick analysis of this. So uh, first quarter, I thought the Warriors looked great. They were running their offense. They were really attacking. And here's the one thing that's interesting is they're getting, they were getting a ton of a ton of Curry screening for Kevin Durant, which uh, they, it was almost unstoppable. I, that might be the video I'll do for tomorrow on this game, is just all the possessions where they had Curry and Durant, um, you know, screen, well, sorry, Curry screening for Durant, either off ball or on ball, and it's devastating. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you and I have talked about this for two years now. Uh, any, first of all, Curry is a fantastic screener. And, and the threat that he poses as a pop guy out of the screen creates a lot of space for whoever he screens for. And the Steph Curry, Kevin Durant pick and roll, no matter which direction it goes, no matter who the screener is and who's got the ball in their hands, it's the most devastating weapon in the NBA. And so the, the more of that we can get, the better. And Steph is such a willing screener that, yeah, I mean, he, he really like opened up a lot for them. Absolutely. And it just creates so much there. There's that word spacing again, because you don't know you don't want to leave Curry and you certainly don't want to let, you know, uh, Kevin Durant curl or into the lane or get open. 
And it, then it opened up things where either Curry would curl around after setting a screen and then that uh, the guy, like here's a great play. He set a back screen for Kevin Durant out of the out-of-bounds play. Then he got his own down screen. And when he curled, he could just easily lob it to, uh, I think it was Looney who set the screen for him or, or uh, Damian Jones. Uh, and all that was related to him setting the screen initially for Kevin Durant. So um, finally they get the memo and they're running that because I think we were complaining about that for years of them not doing it enough. Not And I'm not just the ball screen. I'm talking about the off-ball screens too. So um, if they start doing that, uh, it's going to be a real problem. What happened, I think, in the game is it changed. Curry went to the bench for an extended period in that second quarter. Order. Um, and I feel like that's what kind of got the um, the Thunder sort of kept them close. They closed the gap a right. little bit with Curry off. And again, it's that ar- argument about it. Well, who is more important, Curry or Kevin Durant? Well, What's I your think take it's clear. I don't your- think that's a question. I don't think anybody who actually knows basketball, I don't think that's a real question. It, like it, it, the way that they score with Steph Curry is is effortless. It's very easy. The game looks easier when he's out there. And for KD, while KD is incredible, it just seems like it's it's much more of a slog to get points. And, and and again, this is why Steph Curry and what he does is so unique. Like it's easier to compare him to Shaq than it is any guard, right? Like I mean, the way he affects the game, his gravity, um, and and it helps that he's also super unselfish and and works hard, right? At at getting guys open and getting himself open. Um, now Shaq didn't have to do that, but it, they affect the games in similar ways. It's kind of like different areas for the gravity to, to kind of exist. So, um, yeah, I mean the, the offense is just, it's, it's just incredible when he's out there and then, you know, it's still really good with Durant, but it's just not the same. Right. And I think, I think the distinction is Durant is a better scorer, but Curry is just, has much more impact on the game when he's out there. Stretch, he's stretching the floor, running the offense, causing you know, gravity issues for the defense. Makes everyone uh, better. Yeah, and he makes everyone better. And that's, you know, it's not really Durant's role. Even though we'd seen him do that when Russ went out and Kevin Durant won the MVP in Oklahoma City, he was running that 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 uh, point guard role and, and facilitating. So he can do it as well, but just not nearly as good as Curry. Um, it looked like the war, the Thunder wanted to give – it was like a challenge. Who was going to give Curry more open shots in the first half for three? I mean, I think all five of the shots he made, the first five threes he made, they were all – I think he had five feet of room uh, from all of them. It was it was kind of mind-boggling to me how they were, how that was happening. Yeah, there was there was one where he was wide open in the corner, and off offensive rebound, I believe. Yep, and yeah. Adams and and uh, Paul George were standing right there, and no, neither one of them even dared to close out. For and he some dribbled. reason, he like dribbled the ball once a, <laughs> for a, a rhythm. Took a, a rhythm dribble. You know, it's just ugh. yeah. So it was weird, but then again, the third quarter came by, and uh, Paul George was giving it to him. Uh, I want to say someone was commenting on that on the uh, in the feed in the um, Periscope, but yeah, I mean, Paul George, I think overall he had a stretch because he wasn't great in the first half, but he had a stretch there in the, in the third and into the fourth a little bit where he was just handing it to the th- to the Warriors. Um, you know, they matched each other. He matched uh, Kevin Durant's points, uh, and they almost shot the same from the field. Um, but I don't know. I think Paul George might have had the better game. Eh, let's see. KD had a better stats. But either way, um, I was impressed considering, again, that they didn't have Russell Westbrook. Um, what does that say about the Thunder? Without Robertson, without Westbrook, are they missing anybody else? No, it's just those two. Okay. They're so, missing Melo. That helps. Yeah, that helps. Yes. 
So, uh, you know, without those two guys. Now, here's a, the biggest issue I have, and it's a Donovan, you know, gripe, I guess. Jeremy Grant and Abrinas, I feel like, should be starting instead of Patterson and, and Shru, uh, Ferguson. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's time. I don't know why. Like, maybe he has this vision of Abrinas as like this, you know, microwave off the bench shooter guy, but... I don't know. I think he's better than Ferguson. He stretches the floor better. Um, he certainly showed that uh, tonight. With uh, he went well, he went two for six from three. But he's a threat, and the guys they have to close out on him when he's out there. I think uh, Ferguson was out there tonight for his theoretical defense. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't think that he he really was that good, especially tonight. Um, we'll see. But I, I think they just wanted some more athleticism, some more defense. Uh, Patrick Patterson was surprisingly plus three in his 19 minutes tonight. Paul George was minus 16 in this game. Wow, yeah. kind of crazy, right? Yeah, he, he doesn't look. He didn't look right to me in the first half. And, and I mean, he, I missed the first half of the third quarter because I'm a streamer. Like I, I, I'm a cord cutter, and YouTube has been on the fritz, as everyone knows. Um, uh, so I have to go back and watch that tomorrow. But he did not look right in the first half. And remember, he had knee surgery. He had he had uh, the elbow or hand injury as well uh, at the end of last year. So, so I wonder if he's also kind of working his way back into into game shape. He, he's just a little bit farther ahead. Uh, very very well could be. I mean, he looked right. He didn't look as explosive as we've seen him after his major injury he had for Team USA. We've had moments where he's actually looked really good. Um, but you're right. He definitely didn't feel as explosive. But he had moments like in the third quarter, he went six for ten, three for six from three, and you know really was plus six in that quarter. So I have a feeling if I if I uh, grab the first half here, his plus minus is going to be low. That's what's going to probably. Yeah, he was minus sixteen in the first half. So if you look at the second half in the over at stats.nba.com, he was uh, even zero. So that's what really what you saw. It was that first half where they, he just didn't play well, and they got they got beat badly in the first quarter. Um, you know that really hurt them. That's what happens if you come out and have a bad first quarter against the Warriors. The odds are you're going to lose that game, even though you can come back. It's close. They might tease you a little bit, but uh, that 31 to 23 first quarter was probably it. However, let's give a shout out to Looney. Kevon Looney gets game ball for me. He had a fantastic defensive sequence on Paul George um, down the stretch, and then he hit a up and under twisting thing. I think I think the the phrase you said was, "How did he make that?" <laughs> yeah, it was that was insane. You know, he had a double double tonight in 18 minutes. He was plus 23. That's a game high. Um, you and I have been really high on Looney. Like in a way, I think that only coaches are high on guys like that, right? Because he's such he he's such a smart player. Uses all of his length. I mean, we saw him poke the ball away, and then and then uh, from Paul George toward the end of the game, and then really bother him into the uh, shot clock violation. Um, the way he uses his feet, and he guards like he plays in San Antonio. Right, his hands are are extremely visible. They're out there, or Utah, they do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I think he only, I think he had four fouls tonight. But when you're mixing it up inside with with Stephen Adams and those guys, and you know, getting caught on the wing, that's not bad, um, especially because he's not the best athlete. Right. Let's give a shout out to Stephen Adams too, because I don't, his numbers aren't like standout uh, tonight, but he's just a. Oh, actually, they were. It's 17 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Can't believe uh, he had double-digit rebounds. Yeah. Weird. Hey, what, well, was, I wonder why. 
Yeah, isn't it funny? And Strange. Even, yeah, although Schroeder got nine in that same kind of role, but hey. Um, I feel like Steven Adams could have 20 rebounds a game if uh, he played on a different team. Uh, he could definitely lead the league in the rebounding, without question. He's he is. So we were talking about that while we were watching the game. He he's got to be like what top what number rated center would you put him uh, up there uh, in in the league right now? And what where would you rate him? If I mean, it, you've got Embiid, Gobert, and Jokic as Towns? some. Uh, I'd have Adams above Towns. Woo. I value defense, man. Like I care about defense. Yeah. In particular from the center. And I like I know that that, that makes me a little bit of a, a of a pariah um for for NBA Twitter, but I just don't like I don't know, man. Like those numbers don't really impress me cuz I don't think that what Carl Anthony Towns does necessarily contributes to winning, you know? You look at how bad they were when Jimmy Butler was out last year and tell me that Carl Anthony Towns is like a foundational piece. And and the league is caught up to this. You know, the GM survey, there's only a couple of questions that they do that I actually put any stock in. And one of them is, who would you build a team around? What what guy? And Carl Anthony Towns was like on the list last year, like really high on the list, mm-hmm. and was off the list completely this year. And that just goes to show teams are starting to catch up on this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, I, and here's the thing. I want to say this. I, t- I spoke with this in another show on someone else's show, but I think that the issue with Towns isn't necessarily effort or IQ. I think he doesn't train properly. He's got a real problem with his knees and the way they, they collapse in on each other and the core strength. And he's, So I think that half of his defensive issues could be solved if he knew to train better, to move uh, in their, his functional movement. And it doesn't seem like he's gotten any... No one in his team, in his camp, seems to understand this or is not willing to work on it. I think if he could figure that out, he would be a lot better on defense. He's probably frustrated by it because he's like, well, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm playing hard and I have Coach you know, Thibodeau behind me to help me. But uh, I don't think in, until he fixes the way his, his mechanics are, uh, he's, he's going to be holding, held back. Well, you and I have talked about this, that, that that's actually it's a coaching failure. Right, like I don't put it all on Towns. I, I do think that this is a coaching failure as well. Yeah, and and maybe even the training staff. You know, like it, it, you can just say an organizational failure. Right. Like because, I don't know about Minnesota. Do they have like I know like so Phoenix, for instance, is one of those notorious or not sure. notorious famous teams that have uh, functional movement people that would work on those things. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Nothing's ever in my mind's eye. I don't remember hearing anything about Minnesota having that. Right. No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, and then, but by the way, Towns could have his own guys in the summer helping him too to do that, and uh, that that apparently hasn't happened either. So it's you know, there's a lot of information out there he could that would, use. That would cut into the Fortnite time, though. All right, is he a Fortnite player? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, by the way, I think about doing a video because you know there's a little bit of basketball in Fortnite. Have you seen it? No. Yeah, there's a little basketball. I was thinking about like maybe trying to reenact in real life uh, with the kind of Fortnite you can play, basketball you can play in Fortnite. That might be a my my most watched video ever. <laughs> maybe, I mean the algorithm, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, here what, we got a good question. H. Crantrell, ten. Nerlens Noel, a factor this year. We'll see. Uh, you know, I thought what he did tonight was pretty good. Uh, he actually was like playing hard. Right, that matters. Let's see. It's for him. It's not about talent. It's about attitude. You know, mm-hmm. he he was kind of unliked in Philadelphia, extremely unliked in Dallas, and so that's that's kind of a big part of you know of what he's got going on behind the scenes, and that that is really limited. I think his growth. Right, like I think people don't like him, so 
they don't really do a lot for them. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, don't be a dick. I guess is the you know the good uh, expression that we have. Like, you, if you if you are nice and people want to help you, um, I, at the very least, I will say that um, yeah, he he can help them. I mean, he's just another long athlete who can you know defend when he wants to. He can get tips, dunks, and all that sorts of stuff like that. So just another one of those guys that's got a headache for the other team when he comes in there. Um, and and so I feel like it's just a question for for Donovan of just figuring out the right starting five and getting Russ back. I think once Russ gets back, although I'm a little bit worried only because the scope of his knee, uh, we were looking at the math earlier. I felt like it was already six weeks. I think it's like right, it's like five weeks right now. So if he's not back inside of a week, I'd be a little bit concerned because that's about the, the maximum amount of time you need on a scope if it really was just a simple procedure. So, uh, but once he gets him back, I think that they started Brenus, they start Jeremy Grant. Uh, then all of a sudden Patterson might be a little bit better off the bench, although we're still waiting for him to be as good as we saw him in Toronto. Uh, then they'll have something. They could be third. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Patterson's going to get back to that level. You know, he he's had the the ankle injury, and that was pretty pretty rough on him. And then, you know, I I, I just don't know if he's that player anymore. Um, Robertson is the real one to me, and and he won't be back. He's going to miss like thirty thirty five games. Right. I think Russ. We pretty much know what we're going to get when he comes back, and and, and we saw that team. Last year without Robertson, they they weren't as good as they were with Robertson. I think we we got to see his real value after he got injured, and what he does for that defense is is just crucial. And and they have a great defense with him. Um, the offense, you know what they they can live with it. They can they can make it work, but their defense really 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 needs him. And I think that's part of the reason why we saw Ferguson getting the start because they want to they want to give it a shot hey maybe this guy with his athleticism can give us kind of a burst on defense we can get something out of that um uh, you know i've been really high on them my my biggest issue is how much time is russ gonna to miss to start the season what kind of conditions he gonna be in when he comes back and then robertson and and the question mark there like my expectation is it, it may take robertson until you know end of march to even be in real like NBA game shape. So we knew, we might not actually see this team at full strength until the playoffs. Right. And you know what? It might be too late by that point in the West. They might already be struggling. But they're, they sh- – well, we'll they're see. Make, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I, so I think they, if they can hang on, they can go on a run when Robertson comes back. So I would be very worried about playing them in the playoffs. So that, that's, the, right. that's the point uh, they that they're going to be. a really dangerous six seed, you know? Yeah, totally. Exactly. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, do we find – are there any other, like, good questions in here in the, uh, in the chat right now we can grab? Do you see anything in the uh, – over on Periscope? Uh, not really. <laughs> okay. A lot of, a lot of like kind of, you know. Yeah, no, we, we took care. I, I just took care of the, oh, I yeah. saw some, uh, some stuff going on there, but you know, he, he didn't think we could block him, but you know, I, I did. So, <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, uh, anybody else ask some questions here? Is, is Billy Donovan a good, a good coach? Asks Josh GW. Um, He's a good coach. I think that they, they lost their offense a bit uh, at times tonight, even though I would have thought without Russ, they would have relied more on sets. Um, so um, so that, that's an interesting question. What do you think about Donovan? I, I think we saw a little bit tonight what, what they could get, right? I think we saw like uh, Adams creating at the elbow. This is stuff we don't see when Russ is there. Yeah. Um, I, I think what we saw out of out of Schroeder was okay. 
Um, can we see the same stuff when Russ comes back, or is it just going to go back to the Russ show? And again, he Russ is one of my favorite guys to watch, but it's not winning basketball that he plays. It, not in 2018. It just isn't. And so can Donovan sort of impose his will a bit? Sorry, I just hit my mic. Can he impose his will and get him to play, you know, more modern style of offense? And, and you know, we'll see. No. That's the question. <laughs> but, I don't but think then, so. You know, this that that begs the question: How can you say he's a good coach if he can't get buy-in from you know his players? So right. it's tough because he comes in av- having a situation where Russ is already the man and he doesn't want to get fired. You know, it's so you're right. It's a, it's a whole lot of things, but that's why you have to be able to get to Russ. Convince him that way without getting fired, without getting Russ mad at you. It's a it's a really hard tight tightrope to walk, uh, and he's I think he's you know he's been maximizing it you know, to the, pretty much. I do feel like their their performance in the playoffs last year left something to be desired, uh, and I think he got out coached by um, Utah. Um, Quinn Snyder. Thank you, Quinn Snyder. Um, but you know what? Well, he'll have another chance to, this year to see what happens. Top Class Dante asks, thoughts on Nick Nurse? Now, we don't know a lot about Nick Nurse, but we do know that, as far as I can tell, he was he spearheaded the change in the offense last year. And that's a big that's, – that deserves a lot of kudos. So if that's the case, then you know I have high hopes for him as far as the offensively for the Raptors uh, that, that he should be able to lead them. Now, communication-wise and managing all that stuff, we don't really know yet and we'll have to find out what happens when they lose two in a row or three in a row on a road, how he's going to deal with that. But uh, what are you, what are your, what's your take? I, I don't have one yet. Okay. It's going to take, take a while. I need to watch him. Yeah. I need to watch how they do. I, Toronto is actually one of the teams – I'm probably going to watch as many as many of their games as they have. Like I, I'm going to in the first half of the season, out of 41 games, I'm going to try to watch like 35. Wow! Because well, again, new coach, couple new players, and they're a real competitor. Like they're going to be a contender. Okay. Whereas you know, Golden State, we kind of know what they're about until Boogie comes back. Uh, the Celtics, I think we kind of know who they are. And, you know, Houston's going to take a step back. I, I, I'm very familiar with Utah. So Toronto is kind of, to me, like the unknown quantity of the of the teams that really have a shot at the title, of the three teams that have a shot at the title. Great point. Great point. Well, we'll have to keep our eye on that. Uh, let's see if we can run down really quickly. Uh, let's do some 30-second answers. Uh, D1 asks, Warriors 3, Pete. I guess, you know, the odds are they're not because you know, to win four and five it's years hard. is impossible. But, yeah, they're going to they're gonna win it, right? Probably. All right. Yin uh, Renly asks, you notice that Clay dribbled more than he normally does. Uh, we do understand that Steve Kerr wants to get uh, Clay involved in more attacking off the dribble, more handoffs. So, yeah, expect to see Clay uh, attacking off the dribble, which will open up easier shots for Curry and uh, Kevin Durant as well. And don't forget that the regular season is a laboratory for teams like the Warriors, and they're going to try stuff like that. Because yeah. they want to be able to use that as a weapon in situations in the playoffs. Yeah. We have a couple of interesting questions that are kind of related. Uh, Wu-Tang Biscuit asks, do you guys think the system in OK needs to change? And then Chester Eugene right after that said, will Schroeder do better outside of Coach Bud's offense? So uh, we can kind of combine those two real quick. I'll, I'll weigh in real quick. Uh, OKC system doesn't need to change, but like he just needs to get Russ to kind of run it more. And then I think that Schroeder uh, looked, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good, uh, he's not a starting point guard. He's a good point guard off the bench. So um, I think, you know, I think Bud's offense and, um, you know, Pop's offense, um, 
it limits point guards assists to some degree. I feel like Tony Parker never got more than like seven and a half assists a game. He, he's not a volume assist guy because of the way the offense runs. Uh, but I think that, yeah, Schroeder would get an opportunity per minute to get more assists than he did in, uh, in Atlanta. What are your thoughts? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I care a lot more about team assists than I do one guy. I think that's more indicative of, you know, team success. Um, I, I, I like the fact that, I mean, he was gunning tonight. Like, I mean, he, you don't have to worry about him not taking shots. Mm-hmm. Right. So that helps if he's coming off the bench. Can he and Russ coexist on the court together? Because I do think that, that they're two of the top five players on that team. Right. Like I, I, I agree with you that his ideal role is backup point guard, but they don't have the depth right now. So yeah. can they coexist and play together? And will that unlock the stuff that you and I have talked about with Russ, where if he's playing off the ball, he can actually create some gravity. It's not going to be Steph Curry style gravity, but he could really like wreak some havoc on the court playing off the ball. And, and Schroeder and, and Paul George can then maximize that and get him the ball and get him easier scoring opportunities. So, Will that happen? Those are the big things for me. Yeah, uh, great points. Uh, let's really quickly run down some uh, some good questions we got in the Periscope as we wind this up. So uh, let's see here. Jordan Bell, rest of the season outlook. I mean, he's so athletic. He's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to be great for them. Agree or disagree? Sure. Okay. Uh, can this Thunder team win a championship with this, with this core? Great question, Shams Jams. Can the who? The Thunder. No. Okay. Uh, how did the refs do? The players weren't so happy with the refs in game two. Um, you thought know, it was fine, but I know. the the one call that that I thought was bad um, was the the clear path call on on Schroeder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he needs to at least grab him a little bit more, I suppose. Right. But the the way they called the game in game one was weird. They weren't calling anything in the first half. It was like yeah. uh, you know prison rules, but. Especially because they had come off of the preseason where they were calling a lot of fouls. Very strange. Uh, let's see here. Do you see a Reggie Jackson type of situation happening with Dennis and Russ? No. Um, no, right? No. Uh, the Reggie Jackson situation shouldn't have been the Reggie Jackson situation. And it wouldn't have been if Russ had not gotten hurt. But I, do you th- I think he means Reggie being a pariah in the locker room and then ultimately having to get get kicked get out of the well, get but, traded. And that, but that happened because Reggie kind of like oh, I see played well when Russ was out, and then you know, be, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, plus we, I think we know a little bit more about Schroeder than we knew about Reggie Jackson at the time. Right. Uh, James Pritchard asks, who should they start as shooting guard for the Thunder? I, I think they should do a Brenus. So there's my answer there. Yeah. Uh, Pancake mix three. Do you think Marcus Smart will continue to take too many threes? Yeah. Whoa, too many. Yeah, I mean, he jacks him up, man. He's hey, not a great shooter. You know what? We'll see. How many I, did I he get? Uh, crap, I don't have it up anymore. What the look? Um, he was two for three at one point. Okay. Uh, let's see. I, I'll, I'll pull yeah. it back up. Um, um, he wound up being two for four. Okay. But so they, yeah, two they more were questions. good looks, man. They two were more good questions. looks. Let's see if we can do this. Celtics rise. Thoughts on Charles Barkley bringing up the idea of bringing Kyrie off the bench? No. Man, he's got some edibles. Um, Guap Gods asks, who averages the most assists on the Lakers? Interesting question. You have uh, LeBron, Rondo, or uh, Lonzo? Well, I mean, you have to take minutes into account. First of all, I think Rondo's going to play a lot more than he should yeah, and probably start. Uh, I think Rondo is going to average the most assists because Rondo is going to make sure that he averages the most assists. 
I okay. mean, Rondo is going to pass out of fast break layups where he's the only guy on yeah, that right. end of the court <laughs> True. to get assists. Okay. Yeah, he, like, like LeBron's going to nail him the dime, and he's just going to give the dime up again. Yep. Yeah, and we saw a little bit of that too. It's exciting though. So, uh, sure. okay, fair enough. Um, Rondo. I mean, it's I, I would say it's probably either Rondo or LeBron, LeBron. and um, yeah. and uh, it, it might even go down the wire. Maybe they'll be like the t- the top the top assist duo of all time. Like they both have eight or nine each or something. Uh, interesting stuff. So we'll see. The their, their issue isn't going to be that. It's going to be on the other end of the floor. But we have no issues because we have uh, our first live show in the books. Yeah. Awesome. It's super late here because I'm now in the central time. It's 1 a.m. This is insane. Yeah, I know. Well, too bad. Too bad you left the West Coast. But uh, well, we'll, we'll get earlier. We'll do some Sunday afternoon games and whatnot. So it won't be so bad yeah. for you. But thanks, everybody out there, for joining us such late night. And if you're listening to this in the podcast early tomorrow morning or something, thank you for doing that. And um, I don't know, Dave, is that it? I think so. Awesome. Well, great stuff. Really happy to be back. Happy to see all you guys back. Stay tuned for some videos tomorrow on these games. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am.